And in week one, we talked about forgiveness. We looked at it through really the perspective in the life of Louis Zamperini. It was an amazing message to see how he went through so much as a POW, but yet God brought in his heart a heart of forgiveness. Last week, we talked about waiting on God and how sometimes it's so hard to wait on God, but when we do, he shows himself in some pretty amazing and remarkable ways. And today, um, our message today is very simple, how we become overcomers by giving it to Jesus. We give our lives, we give our situations, we give our storms to Jesus. And so our, our theme verse for this entire series comes out of John chapter, 13, chapter 16, verse 33. And it's an interesting, just one little verse that, that I speak, think speaks so clearly to us when this idea of overcoming. Let me read it to you and then break it down just a little bit before our students guide us. Um, this is what Jesus said. He said this right before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew that his disciples were going to be dealing with a great grief. And he was telling them that there is joy as well. And listen to this. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome this world. Look right there in the very middle, the very sentence, it says, in this world you will have trouble. And what our students learn every single day is that when you read, you need to pay attention to punctuation. In particular, when you read the Bible, you really need to pay attention. Why is there a period there? Why is there an exclamation point? Why is there a comma? Because every one of them convey even deeper meaning. And so it's interesting, it says, in this world you will have trouble, period. It's not something that might happen, it's for those of us that have lived life a little bit, we know that we deal with trouble or storms in our lives. In fact, the word that Jesus used there for trouble was the word phipsis. And phipsis meant anguish. It meant burdens. It meant afflictions. It could be used to describe illness or sickness. And as I take and I describe that word, I would use it to describe the storm that you face, the stress that you have on your shoulders right now. So if I was to say that, I would say, in this world, you will have stress. In this world, you will have storms. But before our students present this, I want to make sure you don't miss something to help kind of guide us as we see this drama. The very first sentence in John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. See, we will have trouble. That is not a question. But Jesus is saying that whatever trouble, whatever storms, whatever stresses you might find in your life, you can have peace if you involve him in the story. If you involve him in your storm. And the type of peace that Jesus describes, Paul uses it, and he says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. He says it's a peace that transcends all human understanding. It's a type of peace that my words can't even come close to describing. It's a type of peace that until you actually experience it, you can't even attempt to describe it for someone else. But when you're in the midst of a storm, when the stress of life is burdening you in an overwhelming fashion, Jesus is there with his hand waiting for you, ready to give you that type of peace if you will include him in your situation. So our students are up here, and they're going to present a drama to you um, through the song Oceans. In this last school year, they did it for one of the chapel performances, and I was absolutely touched watching it, so much so that literally right at the end of it, I went to Mrs. Bellary and I said, we have to do this in front of the church. So I'm so excited to share it with you today, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to watch it in light of John chapter 16, verse 33. 
And as you see the different ways that, that hold us back from getting to Jesus, sometimes we stumble over our own feet out of our own selfishness. Sometimes we have something pulling us back which is considered spiritual warfare. And other times we get so distracted from the hand of Jesus because the storms that are in our lives. And I pray that as you watch this, God will touch you in the way that he touched me. So which part of that drama did you resonate with? Are you at the stumbling point? 
where you just try to get to Jesus, but you just seem to stumble on your own feet, your own decisions? Are you trying to get to Jesus and is that battle, that spiritual enemy of ours, is he pulling you back? Is he doing everything he can to keep you trapped in the life that you know so well? Are you trying to get to Jesus and are you stuck in the midst of storms where all you see are your financial troubles, where all you see are the relational issues, where all you see is everything that surrounds you and you can't see Jesus' hand right there? Have you fallen on your face where all you see are your life's issues rather than the God who created the heavens and the earth who has his hand out reaching out to you saying, I want to give you peace. For where Jesus is, there is peace. Where Jesus is, he brings peace into whatever situation that we might find in our lives. Remember that theme verse that I shared at the very beginning, John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, period. In this world you will have trouble, period. But don't miss this. But take heart, exclamation point. Pay attention, take heart, For Jesus said, I have overcome this world. Our Jesus has overcome this world. Our Jesus has overcome our storms. Our Jesus has overcome everything that we find ourselves trapped in. This morning, in the time that we have together, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that I believe you and I can relate to very well. Because just like the disciples, sometimes we get so focused in on our storms, we miss that Jesus is right there with us. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. It's on your outline. It's on the screen as well. To lay the context for you, Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. He has just worked and literally had freed people who were struggling with demon possession. These people's lives will forever be different because they met Jesus. After he did that, he started to do some teaching that was radical. It was hard for people to receive, for he was telling them, as your highlight on your Bible might say, that there is a cost to following Jesus. And after he does this teaching, he says, you know what, it's time for us to leave from here, depart, and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee where we will continue to minister. And that's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. And here's what it says. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went, and they woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up. He rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's break this down. Let's look at the very beginning of verse 23. It says, Then he got in the boat, and his disciples followed him. It's interesting that in the context there, Jesus had just healed people, and more people would be coming to want to be healed. And he also knew that he needed to go and minister to other people. So he said to his disciples, let's get in the boat and go across the lake. For he knew if they would have just walked along the shoreline, the people would have followed him. The other thing that's significant for us to understand is that they were going to go across the lake so that they could minister. And it's really interesting here because his disciples followed him. They trusted him. They were under his leadership. They were going to go wherever he wanted them to go. Scripture says that they were going to go across the Sea of Galilee. And I don't know about you, but when I hear the word the Sea of Galilee, I think of something really big. 
But in reality, the Sea of Galilee is only 13 miles north to south and only 8 miles east to west. It's about two-thirds the size of Lake Tahoe. So it's not nearly as big as you would think when you hear a Sea of Galilee. And sometimes what happens when we read Scripture is we read in today's context into the text. So when it says that he, then he got into the boat, oftentimes we view it as a boat that we would see today. Something big, something stout, something that can handle whatever comes before them. But look at the boats that they had in Jesus' day. They were very humble. They were made out of wood. They weren't nearly as strong as something that we would have today. In fact, it was a boat that, that they would just get into and go from here to there. One commentator says that, that a boat just like this one was most likely the type of boat that Jesus would have stood in when he stood in the boat using water as amplification to speak to the people who had gathered up on the hillside. So they get into the boat to go to the other side. But something that's significant here that I don't want us to overlook is that it just says this. It says, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed after him. Notice it seems so ordinary. It seems like something they would typically do to go from point A to point D, B. And isn't it the same in our lives? Where we are just going about ordinary life, going from point A to point B, task to task, expectation to expectation, when all of a sudden when we don't expect it, when it comes out of nowhere, we get blindsided by life's storms. Where we experience that gut punch that knocks the air out of us, where we don't know what else to do because that storm of life has come and it has engulfed us, for it comes suddenly. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Listen to the text here. For the disciples and Jesus on that, that lake, it says, without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Now, we shared moments ago about the size of the Sea of Galilee, but let me give you a little bit of the geography of the area. On the westerly side, where Jesus would have been of the Sea of Galilee, the, way, the, the hills and, and the rocks kind of form this type of a funnel. So that when the wind blows, it kind of goes around and into this funnel, and it speeds it up. It gives it a little bit more of a force. The Sea of Galilee is below sea level, and so as the wind starts to come in, it channels it all into one place where it blows straight across that lake. still happens to this day. And as the wind started to go, what it does is out of nowhere, with no expectation, it's not like clouds come out of there and everything, it's like that. All of a sudden, there is a storm on the water. And the text says that, that, that there came this storm there, and it was so furious that the word that it describes it in the original text was the word seismos, the same word that you and I would use to be able to describe an earthquake. For these men that were on that lake on that day, it was as if the earth was shaking the type of storm that they were in the midst of. Now you have to understand that these men, this wasn't the first time they had ever been in a boat. They weren't novices. No, these were qualified men. Remember, some of them were fishermen. And they find themselves in the midst of a furious storm. What do you think it was like to be there? What do you think it sounded like on that stormy day as the wind was wailing across the water, as the waves were smashing from here to there, here to there? One commentator describes that as, as they were in that boat and they were riding from one wave down to the other wave, that as they went down, they were lost in the wave and you couldn't see them. 
That's the type of swells. That's the type of storm that they were in the midst of. Does it ever feel like in life our storms are like that? Does it ever feel in your life, maybe I'm the only one that deals with stresses, where it seems like it comes out of nowhere and it seems just to take over all of my attention? But in life, we have those type of situations where it feels like the wind is just blowing at us, where the waves are crashing around us, and we don't know what else to do. And that's where the disciples found themselves in, fighting literally for their lives to keep that boat from capsizing. But don't miss it. At the very end of verse 24, there's just this one little part that sticks out to me like nobody's business. But Jesus was sleeping. Hold on, wait a minute. You have this crazy storm. You have these qualified men doing everything they can to keep that boat from capsizing. And we have Jesus asleep on the floor like a comfortable baby. Do you see the symbolism there? Do you see that you have these men who are freaked out for their lives, panicking, not sure what to do, and you have Jesus who has that complete peace. Do you find that in your life you're more like those disciples in panic mode or more like Jesus in peace mode? For where Jesus is, there is peace. Now here's the thing that the scripture doesn't say. We go from verse 24 to 25 and listen to what verse 25 says. It says, the disciples cried out, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. But what the scripture leaves out, how long was it? How long was it from when the storm came and when the disciples cried out, Lord, save us, we're going to drown? Because for every one of us, we hold on to our pride. We hold on to our story. We hold on to our situation, our control, as long as possible. And for each one of us, there's different times where we've held on to our control for so long where we finally decide in that moment, it's not working for me to let go and say, Lord, I need you in this situation. And as I think of the story here, and as I think of the disciples in the boat, I picture myself in the scene and I wonder what the thought bubbles were. Because it had to have started with a thought bubble, not something audibly, as one disciple then another disciple and another disciple started just to think, we're not going to make it. This is bad. What are we going to do? And as I imagine the scene, Scripture doesn't say it. I'm just picturing it, that there was one, because there's always that one. There was one that finally said, we're not going to make it. What are we going to do? And as that one voice of negativity, as that one fearful word was spoken, it became contagious to another, to another to another until finally they decided we need to cry out to Jesus and the scripture doesn't say I don't expect that they were debating like a father or like a child does before they go tell their dad they did something dumb I picture it more as they're all in this boat and it's this sea of panic and they don't know what else to do but to cry out to Jesus and in unison they say Lord save us we're going to drown and what does Jesus do Listen to the scripture. He replies, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? <laughs> what? Jesus, we're going to drown. Jesus, we don't need a lesson right now. We just need you to help us. And Jesus says, you have little faith. 
In fact, if you look at the text, the original text, the word that Jesus uses for faith here is ogipastas, which means lacks confidence or trusts too little. How often do we trust Jesus too little? How often do we lack confidence in the God that spoke this world into being, where we think that we can handle it on our own rather than allowing him to handle our situation? For faith as small as a mustard seed can say to that mountain, move and it will move. For faith as small as saying, Jesus, I need you, and he will come into your situation and he will give you peace. Peace that transcends all understanding. And I love this. I love what he does here. As he says, then he got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. And when we sit here in church in 2018, where our clothes are dry, where we have no stress at all about dying, it sounds like one of those duh type of moments. Of course Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. But imagine if you were on that boat that day. Imagine how you had to have felt such relief that at the sound, that at the sound of Jesus' voice, the wind that was wailing (laughs) ceased. And the waves that were crashing up and down, up and down, went as calm as glass. Imagine the awe in that moment. Imagine what it might have been like for them as it went completely calm. And I love what the disciples did after that. Then listen to what it says. The men were amazed. Let me stop there for just a second. You have to remember, these were men that were following Jesus every single day. They were spending day and night with Jesus, but even still, they were amazed. They were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What kind of man is this? What kind of man is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus in your life? See, because it's so easy to sit here in church and answer that question intellectually. He's my savior. He's my friend. He's the one who can calm the waves in that lake or the Sea of Galilee. But let me ask you a second question. Maybe get in your business a little bit up in your grill. What do your actions say who Jesus is in your life? Do your actions truly say that Jesus is your Lord? Do your actions say that he truly is the one that handles your burdens and your stress? Do your actions actually say that he is the one that is giving you peace? Or is the bottle giving you peace? Are the pills giving you peace? Is the food giving you peace? Or is it everyone else you try to talk to instead of reaching out to that hand of Jesus who's right there waiting for you? See, as I wrestled with this passage, and I prayed and I said, God, how do I communicate this passage in a way that is so real to you and is to me? And as I wrestled with it, God just kept bringing me back to this place of make it real. Make it personal. And it's interesting, as God started to speak to me, I was just reading about it, and I read one commentator, and listen to what he said. This guy way smarter than me. And he said, he said, you know, we can read this passage, and we can see that Jesus had the ability to calm the wind and the waves and see stillness on that lake. And we can read that, and we can say, wow, that's great. Jesus has power over weather. 
but that was weather 2,000 years ago. Does he have power today? And what this commentator said is that we must look into this text and believe in faith that if Jesus can speak into that storm, he has to be able to speak into our storm as well. So let me ask you, what storm are you in the middle of today? What stress are you carrying on your shoulders right now in such a way that it literally brings pain in your neck? Where's Jesus in that storm? He's in my microphone. Where is Jesus in that storm? Let me tell you what I've done over these last couple of weeks. Over these last couple of weeks, I've purposed to sit down with people, to talk to them about their stories, and I've asked them, I've said, what storm are you in the middle of? And as I've heard people's responses, I've got to be honest with you, it was both heartbreaking and heartwarming at the exact time. Because not only did I ask them about their stories of, of storms they're in the midst of, I followed it up with the second question that's a little bit harder to answer. Where's Jesus in your storm? How's Jesus showing his hand in your situation? Because here's the thing that I know, that every single one of us, as we tell our stories, we only want to give a little bit of our stories. But what, what God wants to do is he wants to get to the entire story. I talked with a man who literally the night before his wife gave him the boot, kicked him out of the house. She said, I want a divorce. And as I talked with this man, the heartache was so obvious in his face, the burden of the whole situation that he found himself in, he was broken. And as I asked him, I said, where's Jesus in your storm? He looked at me with all the sincerity in the world, and he said, I don't see Jesus in this storm at all. For he was so engrossed in his own situation, he couldn't see that Jesus was actually working in that marriage talked with another person this broke my heart another person who found out that their spouse had cheated on them that they were dealing with that burden of betrayal and as I heard the story the last thing they wanted to do was engage on a further level I just wanted them to share what they were dealing with but when you follow it up with the second question where is Jesus in that adultery do you know what I heard this person said he is a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. He will never betray me. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will be there. Even when my spouse chose not to be there, I can count on him. I talked with another person who's dealing with an adult child who they haven't talked to in four years. And it was such a burden for them. It was overwhelming to them as they shared. And I asked, I said, where's Jesus in there? And they said, Jesus is the Redeemer. Jesus is the one that's going to restore that relationship. I want everything in me to have a relationship with my child, but they don't want to have one with me. I had another person who shared how, how their good name had been ruined on fake book and distractogram. And now this person had gone on there and said all these terrible things about them. And I asked him, I said, where's Jesus in that situation? You know what they said? They said, he's not there anywhere because if Jesus was there, this would have never been said about me. Isn't it interesting how we take the sin of others and we try to project it on our God? But it's interesting that our God still works through those situations that can be ugly, they can be awkward, and he will still make those for his good. See, it wasn't just relational issues. And I share these stories with you to let you know that you're not alone. To let you know that we all have stories that we try to hide, but Jesus is working. There was another person who I talked with, and, and, and he shared about how he had lost eyesight in one of his eyes. 
And it, and it was a story that had been going on for a little while, and I loved what he said when I asked him, where's Jesus in that situation? He said, I still have my hearing. I still have my sense of touch. I still have my taste. And even if Jesus doesn't heal my eye, I have those other ones. And what I love is that he had that mindset, and God healed his eyesight. It's getting better every single day. I talked with another person who had gotten a diagnosis that was, was so unknown and so burdensome because the possibilities were so difficult if it was true. Where's Jesus in that? Where's Jesus in your waiting? And as I asked them where you're at, they said, you know, the hardest thing in the world is to wait. But I believe that the God that spoke this world into being will work in my situation. Two more, and then I want to get to you. One other one was somebody who was dealing with cancer. And it was interesting as, as they had that diagnosis that nobody wants to have. This is what I love that I said, where's Jesus in that situation? And listen to what he said. He said, he's my healer. I'm already healed. The doctor just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> and the last story that I want to share with you is one that is so difficult to share because they sat across the table with friends who had lost not one but two children. And how burdensome. I don't even know what to say in that situation. But I love the mindset that today I am one day closer to being reunited with my child than I was yesterday. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the hurt. But our God restores and redeems. And so let me ask you, what is your storm? What stress are you dealing with today? And where's Jesus in your situation? Here's what I know is that we are like the iceberg principle. Let me explain what that is. And we can put a picture up here. Is that um, on an iceberg, you only see like the top 10% of it. Then the other 90% is down below. And when we come to church, we're kind of like that iceberg. We give just enough of ourselves so that people can know there's something going on, but not enough to let them know that we're not okay. I want you to know today, friend, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have burdens and stresses. What's not okay is for you to handle it on your own. For Jesus wants to be in your situation. He wants to give you peace. He wants to work in your heart and in your life. So can I ask you, can you put down the mask? Can you admit that you're not okay? Can you admit that you have stresses in your life? Can you admit that you have storms in your life and it's so burdensome on you? As I prayed and said, God, how do we make this real? What do we do? Because I have more questions than answers at times in my storms. And that's exactly what God said. Ask questions. Ask questions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Scott to come up right now. And uh, I'm just going to ask you some questions. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you questions. Questions for you just to wrestle with your storm. These are questions that you're not going to answer audibly, although I would love to be able to sit down with you to hear your story. To hear what God is doing in your heart, in your life. But Jesus is there. His hand is there. He wants to get into your storm. He wants to give you peace. But what's holding you back? So I want to pray right now, and then I'm just going to ask you questions. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for you are a God in the midst of our storms. You are a God that is working in our hearts and our lives. Even God, when we sometimes don't even see it. But God, can we lay the masks down? Because you already know our stories. But for some reason, God, we just want to hold those so close to the vest. 
Oh God, give me the questions. Give me the questions, God, that you want to speak into our lives today. God, give me the questions that speak into my friend's stories. With your eyes closed, I'm just gonna throw some questions out. None of them were ever written. These are just ones that I truly believe God's just gonna put in my heart to speak into some people's situations here. Maybe you're here today and your marriage isn't what you want it to be. Why? What part of your marriage do you need to own? Are you a good communicator or are you a a terrible communicator? What did you bring into your marriage that is affecting it in a negative way? What expectations do you have that are not being met? Where's Jesus in your marriage? Why is it so hard for you to be single? Why is it so hard to be content? Why is it so hard to stay pure? Why does pornography have a hold on you? Why can't you put down the bottle? Where's Jesus in your situation? Why do your kids hate you? Why do you not forgive? Why do you have such disdain for your boss? Why are your finances a wreck? What choices have you made that got you into such deep debt? Why do you worry so much? Where's Jesus in your worry? Where's Jesus in your finances? Where's Jesus in your fear? What are you so afraid of today? Are you afraid that you're gonna get figured out? Are you afraid that someone's gonna realize that you don't have it together? Why are you so afraid to give your storm over to Jesus? Why are you so afraid to let go of your stresses? Why do you think you're so smart? Where's Jesus in your storm today? Friend, where Jesus is, there is peace. Where Jesus is, there is peace. Peace that will transcend your understanding. Peace that will change you. Peace that will change your life. And all you have to do is give it to Jesus. Whatever stress, whatever burden, whatever it is that you're holding on to, whatever it is that you're holding back, all you have to give it to do, all you have to do is give it to Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus in the morning. Just give me Jesus at night. Just give me Jesus every moment of every day and see that peace transform you from the inside out. Just give it to Jesus. Scott's going to lead us in a song here. And here's my prayer for you is that 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 song will either speak into your heart, will speak into your situation, or maybe it's just the overflow that you need to speak aloud with him. Just give me Jesus.
when I rise in the morning when I rise in the morning when I rise give me Jesus give me Jesus give me Jesus you can have all this world just give me Jesus and when I am alone yeah when I am alone and when I I want you to know church isn't done because Jesus isn't done working in some people's hearts today. I love the words of that song, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Is that your prayer? Is that your story? In your storm, in your stress, have you given it to Jesus or are you holding it back? We're gonna conclude our service in just a second with a song that I absolutely love and it's called Reckless love. 
For our God's love is one that will seek you out. Our God's love is one that will call you by name, that will come after you despite the 99. He is going to come and find you because he wants you. He wants to know you. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to take your stresses, bring them upon himself. For he says in his word, those who are birdy and heavy laden, give it to me and I will give you rest. Do you want that peace today? I'm going to pray one more time. Because just as I'm standing here, there's somebody here who's been holding back. And I want to give you another chance, and then we'll worship. I know the hour is late. Chipotle will still be open, I promise. Will you pray with me? God, I know just as you're stirring in me that there's at least one person. There's probably others that are here today who God, they hear this idea of having peace, but yet it's so far from their lives. They hear this idea of you wanting to be involved in their lives, but God, they've wanted to do it on their own. And God, as you're stirring in them, God, as you're speaking to their hearts and their lives right now in a way that is literally making them uncomfortable. Father, I pray that they will cry out to you. I pray that God, they will say, I need you in my storm. I need you in my stress. Friend, I want you to know that Jesus didn't come into this world so that he could go out on a boat. Jesus came into this world so that he could hang on a cross, so that he could buy your sins, so he could buy my sins, so that you and I could be in right standing with God. And he's standing before you today and he's knocking on your heart and he's saying, do you want me in your heart? Do you want me in your life? His hand is there waiting for you and friend, are you willing to reach out and take it? friend, if that's you today, I'd ask you to pray as I'm going to ask every single person to pray all together here because we don't pray alone here at First Baptist. We pray in unison. We pray for one another and we pray that you will work in our hearts. And so I would pray, whether this is the first time you say this or this is the thousandth time you say this, will you repeat after me? Lord Jesus, I need you today. Will you be the Lord of my life? And will you transform me from the inside out? And if you said that for the first time, if you said that for the thousandth time, our God is speaking to you, and I want you to know that he has a plan and a purpose for your life because his love is reckless in an amazing way. His love is pure in an amazing way, and he wants to work in you today. Will you stand? Will you worship our amazing God right now?